Welcome to Grace Lutheran Church's Sermon Podcast. On this podcast, you will hear the latest sermon taken from our worship service every week. Our hope is that through this message, you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. For how many of you is this the uh, favorite time of the church year? Is it, Tom? All the pain and suffering and, you know, for uh, 40 days we're, we're, we are in this, talking about and dwelling on, meditating on the sufferings of Christ. It's not very popular. In fact, if you step outside of mainline churches, mainline churches being United Methodist or Catholic or Anglican or Episcopal or Lutheran, um, if you step outside of those churches, uh, you won't hear much about Good Friday, or you will see Good Friday only in terms of the resurrection of Easter. There's not a lot of hymns dedicated to suffering and pain and stricken, smitten, and afflicted. They are a lot of hymns about us rising from the dead, which is also true. But this time period, these 40 days in the liturgical calendar, um, just are not appreciated to their fullest. How do we appreciate it? It's part of it is in our culture. Our culture knows victory. Our culture and our society know what it is to be victorious. And we have many heroes. We have many people whom we hold victorious. That's not true in all societies. That's not true within Latin America, for example, where pain and suffering is a daily identification of life. So in Latin America, Easter Sunday is not the big celebration. It's not that they don't know the resurrection, but Good Friday is the main day. The day when they know and they can see And even though the word celebrate probably isn't the best choice of words, it's Good Friday is the day, and all every Friday now from the beginning of Lent until Palm Sunday and that whole week, there are processions every Friday with beautiful carpets. You may have seen some of them on YouTube or on pictures within Antigua, Guatemala, but in other parts of Latin America as well. Processions of Christ, the images of Christ, Christ in the church going around. Um, Are they celebrating suffering? Not really. But what they do see is an identification of Christ's sufferings with their suffering. As a cultural or social model, they can't identify with a victory or a national hero because of so many hundreds of years of oppression lived under the Spanish and colonial rules. So they can identify with the sufferings of Christ. We have a hard time doing that. We have a hard time even just resting during this period, singing slow hymns, singing hymns that that we want to be active. We want to be up. We want to be jumping. We want to be happy. 
But can we find the joy even in suffering? Medieval and, and uh, Renaissance priests in uh, monasteries used to wear it or have on their desks at meditation a human skull. We go to a museum of, the, of Brother Peter, Hermano Pedro in Guatemala. You see all of his paraphernalia, of even, his, even his burlap underwear that he wore in the 1500s. Um, and you see a skull that he used for meditation. Did he meditate on death? Not in the sense that he worshipped death, but a meditation that reminded him of who he was and what would happen to him ultimately. We don't tend to do that. We tend to shy away from it. But our scripture and Christ invites us to look at his mercy within the context of suffering, which is what we're going to do a little bit. Um, we can begin with Benjamin Franklin, who, of course, is English and part of our colonial past. Benjamin Franklin once joked about the fact that there are two certainties that we will encounter. Taxes and death. Taxes and death. We all face suffering in life, but taxes and death. I would like to add to that suffering. Taxes, death, dot, 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 and suffering. Um, you don't need to really uh, study that. All you need to do is listen to the news, don't you? You can listen to the news. You can see terrorist attacks. You can see Russia invading Ukraine. You can see, in fact, every minute of the news now is dedicated to that. Innocent people are injured. They're running, killed by artillery, war, gunfire on the streets, natural disasters, though we can include that as well, hurricanes in Florida, fires and earthquakes in California. Uh, Gulf uh, tornadoes in the heartland devastate people's lives. Children go hungry. The poor struggle. Injustice deprives citizens of their rights and freedom all over the world. And suffering is just inevitable. Closer to home, there's more personal evidence that suffering surrounds us. Inflation. Our economy. Going south. Crime is up. Gas prices are up. We witness, even in ourselves as we grow older, disease, cancer, and injury become unwelcome companions. We even remorse over lost dreams that we had when we were younger. Our minds and consciences bother us. Why didn't you do that? Sooner or later, fact is we all experience suffering to some extent. The experience of suffering or the existence of suffering has led um, people to deny their Christian faith because they figure that if uh, God is a God of love, then there should be no suffering. Uh, Steve Jobs regarded the reality of pain and sorrow as the clinching argument against the idea of a loving God. But the Bible does not ignore the messy reality of the world. Nowhere does the Christianity deny the existence of pain and suffering. In fact, you see it in every page of the Bible. As you read every story, there is pain and suffering in some, um, 
dynamic going on there. It shows us the reality of our human condition, much the way in the Shakespearean play holds up the skull and meditates on that. We read it, we read in every page of scripture that this is truly a fallen world, it's truly a broken planet. And now, especially during the season of Lent, Christians acknowledge the reality of suffering. We see our Savior's suffering, but many times we don't think or dwell upon that suffering to see the redemptive picture through that. Lent invites us to view the sufferings that we have in our lives through a new lens, the lens of God. It, it makes this divine spectacle of the cross our divine spectacles through which we can not only understand suffering, but embrace it and even give thanks for it through Jesus Christ. That is through the lens of God's mercy. Through this lens, we see God entering our suffering to bear it and to bring healing. Why is there suffering in the world? I think we can all answer that question. Um, it's because of Putin, right? That's why there's suffering in the world. That's, that's the, that everybody can blame Putin for that. It's a pretty heavy question, though, but the Bible says that ultimately the answer is because we are broken and we have gone wayward. Not only are we broken, but the mold for all future generations are broken as well. Of course, God created the world without suffering, but when humanity decided to leave, go their own way, um, they decided to gift themselves the gift of suffering, going their own way, and for generations after that, the reluctancy to live in obedience and in fellowship with God and have him above all other gods led to suffering. We want it out, or our first ancestors did, and so unwittingly they chose suffering and pain. And Genesis 3 describes all of this, the consequences of Adam and Eve's and the human races fall into sin, brokenness and waywardness. It says that, that, that suffering entered the world and our lives became a crown of thorns, piercing us, gashing us with wounds so deep that we cannot overcome them. So ultimately the problem is not pain and suffering. Ultimately the problem is not crime, it's not cancer, it's not illness, it's not catastrophes that plague life. These are only the symptoms of the deeper problem, which is that we walk apart from God. The problem is brokenness, and each of us has been infected with it. But I'm in church every Sunday? Yeah. But six days of the week you're not. And six days of the week we forget to pray. And six days of the week we forget to confess. These results from a sinful and broken world are painful. And in a book called Migrants, uh, Sharecroppers, and Mountaineers, there's a uh, quote. Poverty-stricken mother describes an incident in which her husband lost his temper at a preacher who was speaking on the subject of suffering and pain in a church service. It goes like this. Then my husband did the worst thing he could do. He took our baby, Annie, and held her right before the pastor's face, and he screamed and hollered at him. He told him that here was our little Annie, and she's never been to the doctor, and she's sick. 
and we have no money, not for Annie or anyone else in the family. Then he told the pastor that he was like all the rest, making money off of us. Then he held Annie out as high as he could right near the cross and told God he'd better stop having the ministers speak for him and come down and speak for himself and see him. Let us see him. Migrant father kind of sums it up. The dilemma of pain and suffering about as well, it could as well as it can possibly be expressed. Why are there sick children? Why is there no money? Why is there little hope among so many? Perhaps you've held similar feelings yourself. But there is one point in the father's tirade in which he was mistaken. He demanded that God come down and see for himself the suffering in this world. Well, he did. God came down and did exactly that. But the man refuses to see it. Like John opens up his gospel and says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us and shone. He is the light of the world, but people preferred to dwell in darkness. God did not merely see what suffering was like, though. He experienced to the full extent of living without God. His words, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me or forsaken me? The ultimate suffering, an ontological onslaught of facing reality of non-existence without God. A complete spiritual vacuum of emptiness, nihilism. He not only felt what it was like, he lived it. He endured it. Yes, God's own son came down to the fallen world as one of us in flesh and bone. And he is one with us in sin and death. We kind of miss the point that Christ is not, okay, I'm momentarily going to just come down and put on flesh and blood. No, he's totally flesh and blood. He's totally one with us as sin and in death. He was treated with more injustice than we will ever know. He was betrayed by friends, rejected by people, mocked, stripped, humiliated, beaten. Our text from 1 Peter 2 says, describing Jesus' sufferings, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges righteousness. And the cross on which Jesus died was meant to produce supreme suffering. His back whipped, shredded by the wood on the cross, scraped against the splinter beams. That was before he was nailed. And that was before he was continually desiring and moving his body around to breathe. His pain was excruciating, excruciating, meaning from the cross, out of crucifixion. You know, the movie The Passion, how many of you have seen it? I have not, and I refuse to. My question is, what is it going to add to Christ that I don't already know, first of all? But I understand that it vividly depicts Christ's sufferings maybe too much 
maybe to the point of, when I say too much, we don't want to misunderstand the sufferings of Christ by thinking that he is our savior because of the amount of suffering that he endured. He's not our savior because of the amount of suffering that he endured. As if anyone else could have suffered more would have saved the world. No. He saves because it is the righteous, obedient, ever-loving, and true Son of the Father who is suffering. Remember, Jesus is the eternal Word of God, as John points out. Now come in the flesh, as John says. That Word which created life in the beginning is now giving up life. He's acting contrary to who he is. His nature and essence is life, yet he betrays that essence for you and for me. Christ is the revelation and epiphany of the Father. Jesus says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. The Father's essence is to show love, mercy, and forgiveness, yet not to his Son. Here the Father does what is contrary to his very nature. He judges, he condemns, he smites, afflicting with pain and suffering and death. It's not so much the amount of suffering of Christ. It's the fact that he denied himself. And the Father denied his love in that moment. In faithfulness to his covenant, God the Father, to his covenant to Noah, not to destroy all flesh again, you may remember, Christ is our scapegoat for God's righteous wrath against inhumane humanity, through whose death God the Father destroys all sin, not through a flood, but through the blood of his Son. And by raising him to life, ultimately reveals who he is, mercy and love and forgiveness and life. He creates life anew through his son. He creates life anew through death and through suffering for all who return to him for forgiveness. Thus, the cross before which the migrant father held up his baby is the very turning point in history through which God shares and conquers the child's and our pain and suffering and death. Triumph over pain and suffering in this world is only and ultimately found in Christ's triumph over sin and death. As sin is ultimately dealt with, so death is destroyed, so pain and suffering is ultimately overcome as a result of sin. In Christ we are made whole. We are healed from our greatest ailment, the sickness of sin. Apostle Peter writes again in our epistle, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Because Jesus has definitely dealt with the cause of suffering, his cross and empty tomb deal compassionately with symptoms of our suffering. 
offering hope and forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. The ability to endure all suffering comes from that cross of Christ. Peter says again, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. The Christian life involves suffering. As we will experience more and more of it in a world that is hostile to him and prefers to live in darkness. But the cross transforms our sufferings. It transforms our pains, provides strength to endure. Our sufferings prove to us our need for a savior. As we endure and as we meet suffering and pain, they tell us that we need someone to rescue us from this. That our liberation from our inhumane inhumanity comes only from the love it cost our Heavenly Father. So suffering and death no longer hold us captive in hopeless fear. They're transformed into hopefulness and bring us cheer as they allow us to grow in closeness to Christ. Because those are the moments when we search him out the most. They're reminders that we're not self-sufficient that we need him. We now view suffering with new eyes in view of God's mercy and Christ's triumph. During this Lent and always, may we see with new lenses God's healing mercy through the suffering and death of Christ and that we may give thanks for our suffering for through these sufferings, God draws us to his Christ and our salvation. Amen. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You will find additional sermon podcasts on your favorite podcast channel every week. You will also find information on our online worship service schedule and Bible studies at www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons. You may also submit any prayer requests at gracealoneonline.org forward slash prayer. Thank you for listening to God's word for you today.